Thank you so much. And I am so thrilled to be here with you this morning. Uh, just great to be able to honor Kevin and Sherry. And uh, all the tw- 20 years is such a long time. And what a blessing it has been uh, for you, you young people. I would love to know how many of you, maybe at the dinner hour, I'll find out how many came uh, just specially to, to uh, honor this time uh, for Kevin and Sherry. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word, shall we? Just be a short portion from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we'd like to read uh, from verse 8 down to verse 12. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we are willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Let's pray. Father, in these few moments, I pray that you would be honored and glorified. Thank you, Lord, that, uh, that we can see before our eyes servants who walk worthily. And certainly we, we are honoring two of those this, this morning, and we're grateful for the, the, the opportunity that we've had to be a part of their lives. And so many of us are, are thankful that they were willing to walk worthy. Now bless us, we pray, as we consider your word and as we, as we honor them and, and ultimately give glory to you, for you have created them and you have uh, given us a purpose, and this purpose is to be here at this time and to serve you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm really thrilled here because two of the dearest families that I've ever known are here, the Randolphs and the Seegers. And uh, these people, and, and I know that you know, uh, especially Dave and, and uh, uh, Dave and Joyce are here, and of course been here for many, many years, and uh, and, and I know that you understand when I say they're all in for Jesus. These people do not make pretenses. They serve God from their hearts. And they have been doing so for as long as I've ever known them, for many, many years. And so it was a joy when uh, Kevin and Sherry uh, started to date and then fall in love and get married. And, of course, I've had the privilege of, of knowing them uh, since they were... I guess early teenagers and watching their love for the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm so thankful uh, for their families and I want to just talk about Kevin for just a little bit I know several have been doing so Uh, genuine I'm going to give you some words that describe Kevin and and Sherry genuine Um, as a youth pastor I watch them and I watch them have fun and I watch them in all kinds of ways watch their daily life watch their their spiritual life. They, they, they are genuine. What you see is, is, is sincere in their lives. Enthusiasm. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anyone as enthusiastic as Kevin. Uh, Sherry probably had to, has had to just, you know, tamp him down a time or two. Enthusiasm. And what a blessing that is for young people to be around an enthusiastic youth leader. Fun. I mean, Kevin knew how to have fun. 
And do uh, you remember Devin's hat going out the, uh, the window? We had mission trips, and of course it was serious times, and, and, and yet it was fun. We, we had, I, I mean, Kevin would just cry with laughter after, uh, at times. I remember when Devin's hat went out, this cherished hat, his souvenir from this mission trip, and we were on a bus going 70, well, 60, whatever it was, <laughs> uh, up the road. And, you know, he got too close to the window because there's no air conditioning in those buses. And, and out it went, and, and trucks and cars. This was on a Florida interstate. And they flattened that thing like a pancake. And, uh, I mean, we shouldn't have laughed. And poor Devin, he did. I shouldn't go into it. But <laughs> Kevin laughed till he cried. And, and we just so enjoy his, his laughter and his fun-loving nature. And I know that so many of you have enjoyed that with us. Tireless workers. You know, even when they were teenagers, they just, if there was something to be done, they were at the center of it or leading it, certainly a part of it. I mean, everything we did, they were, they were involved with it. And I think this is what has made 20 years of, of ministry here a reality is because there's nothing that they won't want to do for the Lord and to impact the lives of young people. And some of you have given testimony to that. But you know, uh, I want to get into the Scripture because I, uh, I want us to see some things here. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, gave us a pattern here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Just briefly what it is here in, in verses 3 and, and 4, he talks about pure doctrine. How that when he first came uh, to the church of Thessalonica and started that church, he said, I wanted to be pure. I, I didn't want to have any ulterior motives in what I was doing. Uh, and so you see in verses 4 through 6, uh, he said, I, I didn't come to you to try to please men. I, I didn't want to establish your reputation. Now, I'm so thrilled that we've got 20 years of ministry. This is so rare. Do you know it? It is rare for somebody to serve God in the, in the capacity that they have for 20 years. And yet they didn't do it for this, this occasion. This is a total, complete surprise to them. And, and we honor them, but they would not want to. They didn't do it to seek honor, and they, they're not here to be honored. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. We didn't do it to please men. You know, there's a lot of men-pleasing going on within church circles today. He said, we didn't seek glory of men in verse 6. We didn't try to slip our, our teachings in the back door. We just told you what the, what the Word of God, uh, what the, the Spirit of God gave us. As of course, the Word of God was not written then in the New Testament. And so they were very careful about how they, they brought the gospel out. Verse 7, he says, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth their children. And then I want you to skip down to verse 7. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. You realize a pastor has to have both qualities, a motherly quality like a nurse and a fatherly quality. Um, a nurse in this instance isn't necessarily a medical nurse. It's, it's someone who nurses their baby. And he's saying, I as a pastor, can you imagine Paul being that warm and fuzzy, that, that he, he said, I came to you like a nurse. You know why? Because verse 8, he says, because I was so affectionately desirous of you. I wanted not just to, to give you the gospel, but I wanted to impart my own soul to you. I mean, that's rare. I mean, you, get, you have, there are a lot of pastors in, in, in America, but you don't have many that are there to impart their souls to the, to the people that they serve. And, and I'm not going to get into the other motives and the reasons, and it's a great career, it's a great job, and all that stuff. I Believe me, I've been in, the, in it long enough to, to know that that motivates some people, but it doesn't motivate a true, honest servant of the Lord. That servant, as we see before us, 
are affectionately desirous. And, and I saw that early on in the youth group, how they would, would care for the needs of young ones growing up. I remember on, a, on one missions trip, I was just getting ready to preach, and I, I always struggle with, with what I'm going to preach that night and how and so forth, and I never know which kind of a congregation I have. And, and, and as I was doing that, in came Kevin and Robbie following him and said, Pastor Mark, we, we want to pray with you. Well, they're, they're just teenagers. I didn't expect that at all. And so for it almost seemed like every night of uh, wherever we were, and they would come. And you see, Kevin was older than Robbie, and Kevin was discipling Robbie already as a teenager because it was in his heart. It wasn't that he went to seminary one day and thought, you know, this is going to be a pretty good job for me to have. That never, I'm sure, occurred to, to him. But it was the fact that he wanted to impart his own soul to some people, young people, and now it's, it's young adults and the, the ministry because that's who he is. And I'm so thankful to have men like that in the ministry and, and wives like that. Uh, Sherry loves people, always has. And, and she uh, many times uh, has, has put her arms around a younger person and helped them when they were having a difficult time. So a pastor has to have that, but you know also a pastor has to be someone who charges his people. You need a balance. Just like God created a a man and a woman, a mother and a father, that was by his design. Every child needs to have a mother and a father. Now I know you're saying, oh, what about our single parents of today? Listen, there are circumstances, and some of you are in them, and some of you are, your dear loved ones are in them, where something happens and one parent has to parent that child. And God gives grace for that. It's just like if you lost your eye, you could still live, but your other eye compensates for it. If you lose a limb, you could, as many of our dear soldiers, you can do just great with that, but the other leg takes on a much bigger role. But God's intent was for a pastor to be like a father and mother, just like if God's intent was for every child to have a mother and a father. And our society is having some problems with that, and I'm not going to go any further with that. That's another message for another time. Balanced behavior, motherly and fatherly attributes of someone who's going to serve God, and a pastor must have that. And then we refer to verse 8, the sacrificial spirit. Willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Now I want to move to verse 12, which is kind of the key verse here in this passage. <clears throat> that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Kevin and Sherry have been walking worthy. And, and you know what? They're in the ministry and we kind of say, well, we expect our ministers to walk worthy of God. But you know what? This is addressed not to, not just to pastors. This is a, the, the desire of God for every believer that we would walk worthy of what God has called you because and, and I think about uh, there's some people here in this church uh, you uh, many of you know I go uh, to to places in the world Muslim Hindu Buddhist countries where where churches are not supposed to be there and we conduct churches and help pastors and so forth some, some of the people here in this church have helped me greatly to be able to accomplish that purpose they're not in the ministry but they've devoted themselves to walk worthy and to help 
the work of God here at Pitts Baptist and around the world. And, and I, I, this is what it's all about. Not just pastors walking worthy, but you. And pastors help to encourage their people to walk worthy. Whatever calling it is, whether you're an accountant, whether you drive a truck, uh, whether you work in a store, walk worthy. That's the goal. And every pastor is, uh, that, that loves the Lord and is strong in the Word of God, that's their goal is to help you walk worthy. Let me ask you to turn back to Exodus chapter 31. This is, might seem a little odd to you that we're going back to Exodus, but I want you to meet somebody who walked worthy. His name was Bezalel. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a hero. Exodus chapter 31, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. That was rare in the Old Testament. People were not indwelt by the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. It was a rare occurrence. But he filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God. Notice in verse 3, in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones to set them in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And behold, I have given with him a holy ab. You know, isn't it great, Kevin, when you got somebody like-minded that can come alongside you in ministry. Pastor, isn't it wonderful? I know you, you made this happen because, because of, 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 of what you think of this couple. And isn't it wonderful to have a couple? I mean, they help you so much in the ministry. He can't do all, take all the pressures and the very staff members help Pastor Scott because he's got a heavy load. And so God not only filled uh, Bezalel, but he said, you need a partner, a holy ab. I'm filling him with the Spirit too. And furthermore, they had a, it goes on to say they had several uh, people helping them. And, um, and then it said, I got a job for you guys. God, he said, I want to dwell with my people. I want a place. I, I've been going by the pillar of fire and the cloud, and I've been leading you, and now I want a place. Now, he wasn't ready for a temple yet, but he said, if you'll build the tabernacle... I'll come and dwell with you. Wow. To an Old Testament saint. That was as good as it could get. I'm glad that God dwells within us as a believer. You just have to come to Jesus Christ and realize that he died on the cross and rose again and he will save you. He will indwell you. Can you imagine God dwelling in you? Boy, sometimes we sure don't act like it, do we? But he dwells in us. This is our temple. These people were supposed to build it. Well, something happened in Exodus 32. You well know what happened. Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments. He spent 40 days up there. And as he was doing so, the people said, we don't think he's coming back, so Aaron, help us. We'd like to worship like they worship over there. Loud music, taking clothes off, dancing. I won't go too far into that, but you read it. You read it for yourself. It sounded like war, the music did. And they, they said, uh, uh, we'd like to have that kind of worship because we can see it, we can feel it, we, we can get into it. I mean, you know what happened, don't you? First of all, Aaron said, well, we got to get the gold. Well, we'll, make, we'll even fashion the calf so that it even looks like their worship. But remember, verse 6, we'll call it Jehovah. We're not departing from Jehovah. We're just going to feel Him. We're just going to see Him. We're just going to be like those people out there. But we're still worshiping Jehovah. Well, you, you know what happened, don't you? Moses came down from the mountain. He was so angry, he broke the tablets. God was angry. He killed 23,000 people. The good news is there were probably two to three million people people. Only 23,000 followed that leadership. Did you ever wonder where he got the gold from? 
Well, it was those people that thought they needed to have that kind of worship. But do you realize he probably asked Bezalel? I mean, here's a man filled with the Spirit of God and a holy ab to work in gold, the best goldsmith in the lot. Do you not think Aaron would have said, Bezalel, listen, Moses is gone. We need help here. You're the best. Can, can you help us? Now, I, I know I'm going beyond Scripture, but I believe what Bezalel said, not in your life. This is, this is, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit to build God a dwelling place. I'm not building a calf. I believe you refused. Now, you can believe what you want to believe. But I, I just cannot conceive that Aaron would not have asked the greatest expert filled with the Spirit of God in the camp not to have a part of it. You know, the good news is, chapters 33, all the way through, they, they, when, when things got straightened out, they started building they started working with the gold. And you know they got so much gold donated. Look at chapter 35 and verse 22. This is a great missions verse. And as they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and all jewels of gold, every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. Where did they get the gold? Because Moses came down and grounded that big calf into powder and threw it in the brook. It was gone. Where did they get the gold to do God's work? Well, you know where? Because God's people wouldn't give it to Aaron and his person. They held it. Just as Aholiab was filled with the Spirit of God, and, and he was a choice servant of God, he wanted to walk worthy with God, so were so many people following him. Listen, when somebody decides to walk worthy of God, there's a lot of God's people who say, boy, I want to follow that kind of leadership. And so here was a man, he wasn't a preacher, he wasn't a, a worship leader. He wasn't a choir leader. He would, but he was a builder, and he was concerned for the glory of God. And the people gave so much, look, they had to stop them. And, and every man, uh, kept, uh, they kept on bringing. And then if you look at chapter 36 and verse uh, 6 and 7, and Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. Pastor, have you ever had that conversation? Stop giving, folks. You're just, you're just killing us. <laughs> Kevin, have you ever had that? <laughs> Stop. The mission trip is overfunded. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That's what happened there. For the stuff that they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. I like that. Too much. They brought too much. So Bezalel and Aholiab, and they all started working. You just have to read this sometimes. It's a lot of pages. Now go over to chapter 40, the very last one. It's all done now. Here's the congregation of Israel. Aaron's kind of got back into fellowship by now. He took his lumps. The ones following him died. I mean, God was very grieved with that, right? It was serious business. But now, think, you know, purify the evil. Here they were. And here was that glistening gold tent tabernacle. It was all, and you've got to read it all about it. Especially if you're a builder, you'll love those chapters I just skipped. And there it was glistening. And do you know who I think was kind of in the front row? Bezalel and Aholiab and the guys that helped them. And, and the ones that gave, they were there, they're so excited. And all of a sudden, smoke and glory and light to where they had to turn away. And Moses couldn't even go in that tabernacle. Oh, can you believe what that must have been like? And I'm thinking, what would, what would Bezalel and Aholiab be thinking? I think they'd be thinking... That's what I built. My hands made that. And the God of the universe is in there. It doesn't get any better than that. But you know what? That's Old Testament. Now you've got to turn with me back to 1 Thessalonians where we just were. And we're going to close with this verse.
1 Thessalonians 2. Now you've got to drop down to verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Our glory and joy is to see the fruit of our ministry. Gavin and Sherry, that's the same kind of glory right there. You're not going to ever see the glory cloud come, but you're going to see people, and you may not see them till heaven, and you're going to see people you've impacted. That's your crown. That's your goal. That's your, that's your joy, rejoicing. And you know what? Aholiab and Bezalel, they weren't preachers. They weren't pastors. So I want to challenge each of you, walk worthy of God. When you walk worthy of God and your hands do something and you give towards a mission project or whatever you do, walking worthy of God, you affect people. Don't you know those people in Malawi, those people, um, I know you take many mission trips around the world, those people one day will be there in glory and, and that will be your glory. Just like Bezalel saw the glory of God and thought, I had something to do with that. Let's all stand with our heads bowed. And give glory to God. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy for us to live in a manner that affects the lives of others. To stand for doctrine and truth and righteousness in an unrighteous and unholy and untruthful world. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that throughout your word we see people who have walked worthy and sometimes look at our lives and we think, oh my, I wish I could walk worthy. I suppose so far short of that. But Lord, I thank you for those that, are, are, uh, that have that desire. And I pray there might be somebody here today who maybe doesn't at this point and a bit confused of where their life is headed and what they're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> oh Lord, help us to look to you and realize you do have a plan. You want to use us if we'll just give what we have, our abilities, back to you, then you could use us mightily, and one day we'll be able to see the lives that we've touched. Thank you for Kevin and Sherry and the years that they've spent laboring here for the lives that they've touched. And I pray that you would continue to use them and, and others that have caught the vision as have been spoken about this morning already. Use them in their place of service as well. Help us all to desire to walk worthy. We have such a short time here on earth. Make our lives count. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.